0: Well, I am excited to bring you our next guest. Uh, you know, you ever been in a group of extremely successful entrepreneurs and somebody asks a tough question and everybody turns to the same person? Well, that's who I have on today. Uh, Michael Fishman is just an unbelievable, uh, talented individual. He's he's really been advancing on the health and wellness side. He's been out there for many many years working with some of the most admired publishers and Personalities and he's been making a huge difference in addition though. What he's really passionate about is Understanding and harnessing this is what I'm gonna really have him focus on is consumer psychology This is all about how do you really go about and get results? for what you want understanding the makeup of your clients And he's also, I mean, if that wasn't enough, he's also got one of the largest, longest running uh, consumer health and wellness conferences with some of the most talented people out there. I'm John Bowen, and you're on AESNation.com, and you're about ready to meet a superstar among masterminds who's gonna help you really get a competitive edge. I'm, I'm gonna say even an unfair competitive edge by understanding how you can apply consumer psychology to your business. We'll be right back. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams aesnation.com Michael Fishman I am really excited to have you here you know, you and I've been in uh, mastermind together for four years uh, everyone I, I really respect in the group always turns to you for <laughs> the answers and so I, I feel really privileged to have you on AES Nation and sharing your insights with our audience of very successful entrepreneurs so Michael thank you for joining us here
1: John, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for that privilege.
0: One of the things, Michael, we've spent some time really together, and you know, and I, I love you know all the work that you're doing. I mean, you know, the you know, unbelievable things that you're doing on consumer psychology. I, I remember one time I was starting a new business, and you were uh, with Brian Kurtz, who is a boardroom, and Brian and you were on the phone, and I tell you. I, was kind of, I felt like I was a kid telling you how great it was. And then you guys just told me what would work and what doesn't. And, and usually I'm pretty good about following great advice, but I had already committed to it. So I just went ahead and did it. And I'm going to just say you were totally right. So, <laughs> so everybody on this should pay attention to what Michael uh, shares. But Michael, give us a little background of how you got to where you are and what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for uh, that opportunity. Um, well, I'm really, for the last over 25 years, I've been advising health and wellness per- publishers and personalities, as you said. I started in my uh, mid-20s when I probably had no right to be doing it, um, but was wet behind the ears and very wanting to support companies that were helpful to people. I mean, it's kind of a very simple premise that I wanted to work with with helpful companies and helpful organizations, and health was just an an area that was calling to me. Um, And uh, I started my career supporting Prevention Magazine with their circulation development, which means building their readership, Um, and soon thereafter, the person that was accountable for that moved over to their book business, and then I spent the next 18 years um, as an outside advisor to that book business, moving it from something they thought they should close down to about a 300 million you know, annual gross sales and some, a long, long list of historic case studies. Um, and because in the direct marketing world, clients tend to flock together as opposed to generally, I mean, you'll never see Chevrolet, you'll never see General Motors and Ford in the same ad agency, right? Even the people that work there can't drive the cars that are made by the competitors, right? But um, in direct marketing, and even to this day on the web, competitors tend to flock together because they see there's a greater good, they see everything is measurable, and they want experts. And you can't work with an agency with no competitors if you're not, you know, if you want to work with experts, you need to work with people not only with relevant experience, but relevant current experience. So I've always had a passion for health and wellness and always had a portfolio of clients that that in many cases were competing with one another but really loved being advised by someone who knew the space no,
0: I mean that it's it's so great to work with experts who have walked the talk and you know know actually all the nooks and cranny and so on I'm gonna go back to one of your earlier successes on uh, prevention magazine the book area I mean it takes something they were going to shut down and a Grow to three hundred million in revenue is quite an accomplishment, and I I bought several of those books along the way. So I I, I did, I did contribute, but not that much. But (laughs) uh, not a high percentage of three hundred million. But you know, what were some of the lessons learned during that? Because you know that was a, you know, I mean, so much of this direct response building it up is for people, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, we're we're out there building businesses, we're working really hard, you know, some have uh, brick and mortar, others are doing it on the internet, but we don't really understand how, I mean, to make that breakthrough, that's a huge breakthrough.
1: Well, just to be clear, number one, when we talk about direct marketing or direct response marketing, whether that's direct mail, internet, television, or skywriting, all of that Comes under the umbrella of direct marketing or direct response to marketing, so it's not it's not referring to any offline uh, platforms necessarily. In the in the case of, of uh, prevention, um, of you know there were other print, you know uh, important contributors like copywriters and uh, other strategists. But one of the key breakthroughs, John, is that um, when you work in a subject area like health, or in in cases of a lot of your audience, personal finance, or in anything under the umbrella of self-help, any kind of information that people can use to be better tomorrow than they are today, Mm -hmm. in health and money and relationships and success and career, those are things that people sometimes attribute as niches which really are not niches. They're universal. And so health is the niche that's completely not a niche and anyone, say, in health or anybody in money that thinks they're in a niche is really containing their business based on that assumption. So when I helped prevention understand that health was this universal subject, then they could have joint venture partners and list rentals and various media buys far, far beyond the health market, that if you had a powerful message, if you had a a respected brand, if you understood the psychology and also the socioeconomics of the people who would respond to you and who would respect you, then you can take certain subjects, health and money foremost among them, and market far, far afield of, of the immediate niche universe because those are universal subjects. And that was a massive, massive breakthrough in uh, expanding the horizons and the assumptions for that business. Now, when
0: you think about it, it's, just, it's so logical, but we get caught up, you know, health and wellness. It's this group and, <laughs> right. you know, everyone's concerned with health and wellness. It's one sixth of the economy. It's it's like money. You know, everybody's concerned to some degree with finance. And, and, but when you, when you do that, and I think you are great at this, Michael, is, you know, so many uh, entrepreneurs we struggle with. Okay. We've got a business. We've kind of, you know, got a good experience. We're delivering whatever business we're in, whether it's widgets, professional service consulting, or so on. So we're delivering it, but we want to scale it up and we need to understand more of our clients you know who they are Mm -hmm. what they're doing and how we can you know get that message to attract them to us so they raise their hand to explore working with us i mean you are kind of the one of the top guys in the world at that i mean what what are some of the insights that you've learned along the way as you've done this
1: yeah well two things one um We want people to understand what we do as entrepreneurs, as service providers, as as people with stuff to services or products to offer. We want people to understand what we have and why it's wonderful and why it's worth it. We also want them to feel understood by us in the way in which we communicate to them. Okay, and the other thing, the other litmus test, if you will, or the other lens with which to look at our messaging is, are we uh, are we easily understood or are we impossible to misunderstand? And there's a huge difference, and of course you want to be the latter, impossible to misunderstand. Now, if you speak to a man or a woman as a marketer and you speak to their brain, you're going to get one type of response. And if you speak to their heart, you're going to get a very different response. And so the way to speak to somebody in such a way that they feel understood by you, so that you're impossible to misunderstand, and that you're speaking to their heart, is very simply to speak the language that they speak. And not speak in your language or your vocabulary or the glossary that would show up in your business
0: Yeah, michael one of the things i'm i'm wondering because you're you're saying and i'm thinking in the back of my mind as you're saying it is you know what we have uh, i'm I'm thinking i coach one of my primary businesses is coaching financial advisors and very left brain dominant very smart individuals uh they really want to help clients make smart decisions about their money but they the tendency is that they, they're going to try to persuade people with rational arguments yeah. on what to do with money. And, and I mean, you know, how does that work? I mean, you, you know, you and I haven't had this conversation, but I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me.
1: Well, this and it's a perfect question and it triggers what I just lost a second ago, which is we you you know, once again, as business owners and, and, you know, even the most conscious, the most caring and compassionate business owners, service providers, etc use language that puts a, a, a bit of a wall between themselves and their market. So in health and wellness, we see the, the term optimal wellness used all over the place. And yet no one in the history of Earth ever woke up in the morning wishing they had optimal wellness. They want what it means, but they never said those words. And here's another one you'll appreciate, I think. And for you listening, um, no, similarly, nobody in, ever woke up in the morning wishing they had financial literacy. Right, <laughs> but, how, but how often do we see that promise now, one, now once again we want what it means but we never say that and even the smartest people in, in pleasant conversation or over the backyard fence or whatever don't talk about financial literacy they talk about I wish I had saved more during when I was younger or you know, I wish I didn't have my money on the sidelines as the last you know, market's been up for however long a couple of years um so it's 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 everyday language and when when people tend to try to sound smart intelligent clever, you know et cetera, those things tend to get in the way of clarity yeah- and cl- clarity trumps everything, and the way to be clear is to speak the way in which your market speaks and it, it it's it's that simple and it's actually that difficult as well, well. And, uh, Michael
0: how does somebody you know, you're working with one of your clients and Um, You know, I've had advisors that have worked with me in past companies and, you know, they get in and I'm sitting there with them with some very successful clients and they're talking about mean cross covariance optimization. Okay. Like the clients, you know, and they go on and on about derivatives and this and that. And the client wants the results. I mean, you know, we always want to enter where the client's already thinking about it in their language. And get, you know, we're, they don't want, you know, the old classic, they don't want to have, you know, see how the watch is made. They, they want the time. They want to get the results. H- how do you do that? Because it, it's so easy to try to impress people with our industry jargon, no matter what industry we're in. Yeah. You know, how do you help clients with that?
1: Well, look, if your market is orthopedic surgery or your market is CrossFit or your market is, you know, golf, people like to gather in tribes and speak the language of the tribe. So to some extent, jargon can make sense and can be a cohesive force in, in, in assembling people and having them feel connected to one another. But the other thing about it is that, you know, particularly in technical, you know, subjects or, or the sophisticated financial instruments, which I think is what you were referring to, um, you know, human beings, whether they never went to high school or they have four PhDs, Human beings, for the most part, like to avoid effort and like things to be easy and smooth and understandable. And that's just the human machine at every socioeconomic and educational level. So, you know, simplif- simplifying is always a good idea. Now, if somebody, there's a, there's a great f- and free, no-cost language lab on the web that everybody's heard of called Amazon.com. and One of the things I've suggested, which many people have actually used and attributed millions of dollars of specifically measurable improvements in their business to this one exercise, is to look at the best-selling books. And you can sort on Amazon by subject. You search for finance or health or golf or whatever it is, and sort by best-selling, and then look at the negative reviews of the books that have a similar subject to what it is that you do. And then you will see the various people commenting on the reasons why that book was was insufficient in some way, or didn't have what what they wish it had, or had too much of something overly simple or whatever. But you get to see people's dissatisfaction in that subject area, and you get to see the words and the phrases that they use in articulating what it is that they're disappointed about and what it is that they wish they had. And if you or somebody that supports you begins to, you know, kind of chart or keep track of some of the words and phrases that repeat themselves, you then actually put together a glossary of the way in which your market refers to this stuff. And the odds are that they're not talking in highly technical language. They're just saying it the way they would say it. It's a very, very supportive exercise. But, you know, in general, the key, and we'll, we'll you know, as, as long as we talk this, you know, this will be a, a theme here, is that simplification and clarity. Communicates the best. I mean, it's not—it's not a—it's not, not an advanced psychological principle, but it's one that's very uh, countable, if you will, in in creating marketing tests and uh, you know measured marketing results that ultimately will will improve whatever it is you're doing beyond what you've been doing so far.
0: You know, one of the things I think of, Michael, when I think of this is that you know, as entrepreneurs, when we're ignorant, we you know, when we get started we're pretty simple. (laughs) It's not necessarily good simple. And then there's all kinds of complexity as we put all this together. And then really the people who get it and are very successful entrepreneurs have gotten on the right side of complexity. That's simple there. And I love the idea, Amazon, you've shared that with me before. And I use that. Uh, It's just So powerful. I mean, I can go out and spend 40,000 or more on a focus group study, or I can click on Amazon and get all this research on any area that I want. And really hear the words. I mean, they're great at sharing, you know, what's not working, what's working. When I want to go to the, your health conference, and you know, you you've you've learned. I mean, boy, as health. Uh, I, I've become more and more interested as, as I've approached 60. I'm now 59, and I'm going. Geez, you know, it, I probably should have paid more attention at 20. But you've been doing it for a while here, you know. And in messaging, and you know, bringing together. I mean, you bring together some of the most talented people in the world you know, how do you do that? I mean, how, you know, in an ever changing industry, which we all faced in, no matter what segment we're in, you know, the messaging, the you know, bringing, attracting the right people, how, how do you, how can you share with our fellow entrepreneurs, you know, so they can understand how they can do that too?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And really, you know, just sharing the backstage view with you, John, and, and, and to our friends listening. Um, it's a curated event. It's an invitation-only an invitation event. And so in the case of Consumer Health Summit, a little bit of a misnomer because it's not consumers coming to learn about health. It's entrepreneurs and CEOs like our listeners and also some of the major health and wellness personalities who are gathering to support one another once a year in, in a kind of a town hall for, for format. Um, and so that's invitation-only. It's relationship-driven. Um, I curate every seat in that room and people count on me to do that because they want to be there with eight players and rock stars in that, and mm-hmm. so they count on me to provide that environment. Um, the interesting thing is that people really are tripping over one another to be helpful to each other. You know, and that really, I think, you know, it, it speaks to how to do masterminds effectively. It speaks to how to do a little bit bigger, bigger gatherings because Consumer Health Summit is about 85 to 90 people, and I cap it at that. Mm-hmm. It's not really, it wouldn't be effective beyond that in terms of its format, which is a conversation format. Um, but, you know, people come there with their, with their paramount, most important intention is to be generous to the other people that are there and not with agendas for what problems they need to solve. And the outcome of that is that most people get their problems solved, right? But not because that's their agenda. They come to be generous, and as a result, most everything that they wish they could get out of it, they do get out of it. And I think that's, you know, that's a very important kind of a, you know, that's the culture of this event after doing it since 1994. You know, there's about a third of the people every year that are new to the event. So the the event is heavily seeded culturally with maybe a half to two thirds of the people that have been there before. And um, it's just it's just a format that's really marked and characterized by relationship, connection and generosity. And, um, you know, that can just that just about never.
0: You know, I see you in the we're in uh, Joe Polish's Genius Network Mastermind Group and uh, I mean, it's, you know, you walk the talk and not only your own mastermind, but in uh, Joe's where I've had a chance to work with you and you, you know, you are, I always like the law of reciprocity that, you know, we're, we're, we're there giving, you know, there's givers and takers, you're a giver, Michael. And, and, and really the most successful entrepreneurs are, I mean, you can be a successful as a taker, but it doesn't usually last that long. At some point it stops and, uh, yeah. And that's just, it's, a, it's so often, you know, as we're trying to claw and get our success and hit our goals and so on, so often that gets dropped, you know, by particularly in today's world with all the technology. And you were talking about bringing different groups together, you know, in the past, competitors not working together. Well, boy, there's so many opportunities for competitors, for, you know, industry uh, okay, firms that aren't necessarily, uh, they're in the same industry, and not really competitors or competitors working together like never before.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was, I was talking to the general manager of one of the best restaurants in New York City where I, where I go with some frequency. And he was talking about getting together with other general managers nationwide of some of the most admired restaurants in the country. And these are men and women that are very close to the vest and it's all like social graces, but they're really not sharing about strategy or breakthroughs or challenges or anything of that nature. And I think that really um, is, you know, sort of typifies or, you know, I think that's the way most business still is. Um, I think when, when companies understand the, the, the accountability of their marketing and they, un- and they measure everything that they do it's a lot easier for them to accept this idea of faith, which isn't really faith at all, that there is a greater good in sharing challenges and supporting other companies even if they compete with you, because it tills the soil, if you will, it fertilizes the marketplace, it keeps good ideas in the marketplace, it keeps that, that business segment alive and, and, and vibrant in the marketplace. Um, and so I, you know, I think the most successful entrepreneurs I know believe in that kind of sharing
0: i've just found it to be just so amazing michael i mean the when you think of um I, I know i've learned so much direct response marketing from you and some of your peers uh that i would have never done i could have picked up every book in the world on this and just being able to sit across and brainstorming and they weren't necessarily brainstorming on my challenges but hearing other conversations and contributing to that all of a sudden it's like wow i can do this and then taking it another level where businesses, where all of a sudden we can, you know, do joint ventures or strategic partnerships, or really just simple, um, you know, campaign kind of stuff together. There's just so many opportunities, particularly if we understand, you know, who our clients are, we understand, as you say, the client psychology and, and can then find people who are aligned with us. We really can uh, grow our businesses exponentially and, and deliver tremendous value.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, needless to say, we're, we're, you know, singing from the same uh, songbook or however you would say that. I don't know, you haven't heard
0: me sing, so I'm not sure we should be <laughs> singing. But as whatever it is, I think we got the, the point across. Michael, you know, help, help me. I want to go one more step deeper on this. And, you know, and I'm thinking, I mean, you've, you know, there's just so many things that are coming to mind that you've shared with the group. And I'm trying to go and I'm saying, OK, the entrepreneurs, there they want to get started on this consumer psychology, and uh you know or really understanding consumer behavior and, yeah. they're, and they're particularly a database one because you know the old way of marking you know we'd lick our finger put it up in the air and kind of okay i think this is good and yep felt good you know sure. today the flow of data i mean i just love you know direct response because i get all the data and i don't argue with my team anymore about anything we go okay let's try it you know just try 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 and then we learn so much but h- how can you know, the, the successful entrepreneur really take advantage of all of this understanding of their clients, you'll gain the understanding and then use it in marketing consistently so that they're attracting the right people, you know, to explore working with them?
1: Yeah. Well, it, look, it, the, the answer resides in words and language and, and, and I'll, it's, it's the theme we've been on and I'll say it a little bit differently and I'll actually add an example to it as well, John. Um, because, look, if you have a factory that you need to retool to create a different car this coming year or a different physical object, that costs millions of dollars in time to retool that factory. If you change your words of your business, you have a different business in the next hour or tomorrow, right? So words, you change your words, you change your business, you change your outward face, you change your presentation in the marketplace. You know, understanding, and, and here's, here's the way to look at it. Um, underst- understanding um, how people would respond to you if they were to learn about your business or product or service from three different places. One, w- what they would be aware of and what they would willingly share with you. Okay? Two, what they would be aware of but would not share with you because it would be private or embarrassing or taboo or something that they'd be unwilling to share but they are aware of it. And then the third domain so, the, so number one is what they will tell, number two is what they won't tell, number three is what they can't tell, because they have, literally have no awareness of it, but the survival-based brain, which keeps all of us alive in every moment, is all, in many ways running the show in ways that we're not even aware. And so this is understanding what people want and, and why they want things in ways that they can articulate, but in many cases can't, based on what the survival-based brain is driving. And so, you know, as an example, um, if we're in, let's say, the pain relief market, you know, in our culture, people are very willing to say, you know, it's not embarrassing just to acknowledge my leg hurts, my shoulder hurts, something hurts, or I'm not, I'm limping or whatever. That's what they will say. What they won't say are the ways in which, um, you know, pain when it's fully expressed or when it's severe may be hampering their self-sufficiency for older, you know, much elderly people can't Mm -hmm dress can't dress themselves or can't help themselves you know what do we say about people in their 90s that are super active oh she really gets around he gets around on his own right it's all about you know how much of, how much can they take care of themselves and it's embarrassing to acknowledge when they can't and then the the survival based brain or the can't tell what people can't tell about pain is that in nature the fullest expression of pain an animal can't gather food and can't defend itself and therefore doesn't live very long. So our brain, our brain perceives pain as a survival threat when we as just conscious human beings in contemporary society never think of pain as a survival threat, but that's the way our brain is wired. And so, you know, ultimately health and life are about movement. Movement is, is our ability to function and, and gather food and defend ourselves and, and even live. And so when we see, like, pharmaceutical commercials on television, Invariably, you see people dancing. You see people gardening or fishing or outdoors or hiking because because the agencies know with big budgets and, and a lot of money to study these things which which really are not very big mysteries when you think about it that movement is health and movement is life and you know there are analogies for that around money around virtually every product you could think of the question is what what would people willingly tell you about it? what would they be aware of but not tell you about it and what would they not be able to report on because they have no awareness of it but nonetheless their survival based brain is dry, is running the show and if you can actually get to those three domains of response or non-response in terms of the product or service that you have you can understand the psychology of your market better than they can even report it to you and you can in a very nuanced fashion embed those messages in your in your marketing and bring a lot more like we're just raising your batting average in terms of your measured marketing i'm going
0: to encourage everybody that's whether you're on the video podcast you're watching this or whether you're on the audio podcast is to to really take each of those three levels whoever your target market your niche that you're focused on that ideal client that avatar and really look at you know what are they willing to share and they've you know you know that already you know what are they? You know, they're they're not. How do I say it, Michael? Not quite. A, they're aware, but they they're not sharing. And then lastly, they just they can't share. I mean, for exactly. whatever reason.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. And and I, as I was thinking, I went out to dinner the other night with a very good friend. He's having all kinds of health problems. He's in his late seventies, and this is a guy who extremely successful entrepreneur, uh, big guy, just really talented and. And he's in pain, um, literally, and then, but just emotionally because he wants to rise. And I know he's trying all kinds of things there, you know, from, I was thinking of him from the messaging, what we want and, and he's having progress too, which is the best part of the things that he's trying. But what, what I'd like to have all of us think about, you know, these three, you know, Michael sharing with us in, in your market and then, you know, working with your marketing team, how can you address those i mean so that your message is aligned and it's not most people just stop at the first one and that's it and even and some don't even do that but you know getting that whole part that you know it's just so powerful michael and i mean that's i i've seen you share that with other entrepreneurs in our mastermind everybody's writing everything down and they're all working so hard because it's a great framing
1: well and look and there's another simple piece that we should get in here just before we have to complete, which is that there are, there are very simple words that, that have people move away from you. Like a, a great example is teach. I mean, yeah. most people don't have a perfect self-assessment of their educational years, you know, whether they were an A minus or a C student, you know, some people, are. you know, people, we, we, we evaluate ourselves very harshly. That's the human condition, right? Mm-hmm. We're always searching for evidence to confirm our own worst feelings about ourselves. And we do that all day long. And, and I'm I'll raise my hand. I'm I'm the first. So, you know, when you say, I'm going to teach you to somebody, you know, you can be ripping a scab off of a 30-year-old wound that they're not even aware of. But if you say, I'll show you, I'll explain to you, I'll share with you, I'll demonstrate for you, you're you're not misrepresenting your intent, but you're using a word that will be more inclusive of a larger number of people, and you don't have people heading for the exits for reasons that they're not even yeah, aware of. You know, right? Ma- Michael, you know, I,
0: I just want to say, I used to that with me maybe three years ago. And I use that in all my copy because at coaching firms and, and we do a lot of educational and, and we used to say teach and just making that change of discovery. And, you know, so it's proactive and it's, you know, it's fun versus teach. You're going to learn is not what we want to do. And, and that, that's a great example.
1: Well, and look, the outcome is the same, but you're you're presenting it in a way that's just more accessible, and I don't see anything wrong with that because there's no misrepresentation. You've always got a choice of words of which to use, and you want to use the ones that are the least psychologically activating in a negative way, and that's very predictable. Yeah, and we're not,
0: and that I think that's a real big point. And then I want to go to the book of the day, but let me go. Uh, you know, this is not to be manipulative. I mean, you know, there you kind of artist, you can manipulate all that. We're talking about fellow entrepreneurs who really want to deliver value. We recognize in a capitalist marketplace that delivering value to consumers, to our clients, we get you know, to capture a fair amount of value in doing this. And this is what makes business work. But with so many marketing messages out there, you've got to stand out and you've got to be aligned. And these are the tools to do it. But Michael, let me go to the next segment. And this is the book of the day. And you know, we're we're we're, you know, if I want to follow up and really get a little deeper in this, what what are what would be your recommendation for your fellow entrepreneurs?
1: Well, I would say two things. Number one is the culture code by Dr. Clotaire Rapai, me Put
0: it up on the screen and it we'll have this on the show notes and we'll have a full transcript of uh Michael's uh Interview so you can have all of that there but anything we mention on the links go to but you know the culture code Why are you recommending this Michael?
1: Well, the, the culture code uh, was written by a gentleman and a, and a Psychologist in fact who has done a lot of work along the lines of what we're talking about of understanding why people want things You know what people want and the thing and why they want it and it's just a great It'll really give you a, a lens and a way to look at the world and certainly your business and your markets Uh, consistent with what we've been talking about, to understand people even deeper than they could report to you if you were to put them in a focus group or give them a survey or a questionnaire.
0: And we've been talking about masterminds. You mentioned another book that's a great book on this. And what one is that?
1: Well, that's Give and Take by uh, Professor Adam Grant, the most popular professor at the Wharton Business School at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, And Give and Take is really a beautiful inquiry into the value of generosity and, you know, this is something that I'm very focused on in a very organic way. Um, I think, you know, agenda-based networking, meaning showing up to a conference or a cocktail party with an agenda, I think you, people can notice that a mile away. It no longer works. I think you must pick your spots carefully. You don't go everywhere and you don't accept every invitation, but once you accept one, you go in the spirit of generosity. You focus very intently on the people you're talking to. You don't allow your eyes to dart around the room, and you focus on helping whoever it is you're talking to. You know that's a that's my take on it. But give and take is the the book is a really nice survey, super interesting from a uh, you know in a, in a, just a very fun book about how generosity actually is proven to work in the marketplace. Um, Versus people that are, you know, anything less than that. Well, and them. I'm going to
0: recommend it strongly as well. I haven't read the first book, so it's on my reading list now. <laughs> Let me go to the next segment. And this is resources, Michael. And what I'd like to do is I'm, I'm just pulling up your website, which is michaelfishmanconsulting.com. Uh, what, what can they learn about you and your organization, what you're doing here? <laughs>
1: Um, well, the website the website talks about my advisory work um, with businesses and with clients uh, on in mar- in measured marketing strategy, in positioning, in product development, even getting into work culture and customer care because all these things really don't exist on parallel tracks. They they totally dovetail. They totally come together in ways that that build a business very dramatically. So that's that's the kind of advisory work I do, and so that's really what the website will. Uh, Talk about and then of course there's a contact page if anybody would like to uh, There's a contact form and if you have questions or uh, any support or anything clarified from our talk today I'm happy to to answer questions. I I
0: really appreciate it. Let me go to the last segment. I want to play back what I heard These are the key takeaways and I I mean I got two pages of notes here and that's with me flicking switches to put all the shots together so you yeah, number one, uh, I, I'm going to encourage everybody, this this whole concept of uh, consumer psychology, we, we do, I have the privilege of coaching some of the most successful financial advisors in the world. And we've done all this research on high net worth personality so they can understand their clients. I Initially, I thought it was kind of soft, fuzzy stuff, Michael. And the, the research people said, no, we got to put it in the program. We did. And it's now one of the biggest uh, abilities to differentiate and really serve the clients well. And so I, I want to encourage you, I see this over and over again of the firms, uh, the entrepreneurs who are executing on consumer psychology, I don't care what industry you in, this makes a huge difference. Second, word, words and language matter. I mean, just a simple one that Michael shared on teach. You know, we don't want to I mean, some of us had bad experiences in school, you know, that it's not something we willingly want to go in a busy day. On the other hand, sharing, discovering, you know, those are things we want to do. And just think of the words and language that you have. Make sure you're working with talented people that can communicate well, oftentimes as entrepreneurs. Uh, We're not necessarily the best wordsmith, and you can bring really talented people like Michael along. And, you know, I mean, just it makes all the difference in the world. And that uh, one of the biggest things that, you know, so many of us are reinventing ourselves, and we, you know, the world's changed, we want to be more effective. And, you know, Michael shared with us how we can change our business overnight. It's not the multi million dollar retooling. It's words, it's language, and being very clear on who we want to serve, how we're going to be a hero to them, and help them get big results. Michael, I want to thank you for uh, spending the time with us today and sharing your insights. You are an amazing, remarkable individual, and I really appreciate it.
1: John, this was fun. It was an honor. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And and, uh, however we can play together is always a treat for me. So thank you so much.
0: Okay, well, thank you, Michael. And everyone out there, go put this into play. Your current clients, your future clients, and all those strategic partners in the world, they're counting on you. Don't let them down. Wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.